If you got a copy of God's Word, if you would uh, turn that in that to uh, Philippians 4, uh, verses uh, 6 and 7. I noticed there it says uh, verses 1 to 22. It's actually verses uh, 6 and 7 that we're going to be looking at uh, here today. Now, I'm, um, I'm not much of a Facebook guy. I don't know about you, but uh, earlier uh, this week, I actually posted these verses, verses 6 and 7 here. And whereas I usually have a pretty minimal engagement in anything that I post in my very rare posts. Uh, this week, uh, it was a little bit different. I think these verses uh, really struck a chord with people. And uh, there was a little more engagement with this uh, than I usually get. Just a lot more, you know, likes and, and comments. People talking about, yeah, well, no, this was, this was totally for me. I needed this today. This is uh, very applicable. And uh, the reason for that is because uh, these verses address the issue uh, of our anxiety. Right, so if you're there, hopefully you've gotten there quickly. We're just going to jump right into it here. Philippians uh, 4, verses, uh, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to read it. Follow along here. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You feel like you could use a sermon on this? I know that I do, right? I, I mean, my soul uh, needs this, certainly, uh, because they're just so applicable, right? They're, they're, they're so, you know, I mean, anxious thoughts and, and, the, and the worry and, and the constant, you know, fear and overwhelmed by the cares and anxieties of this world. And, you know, how is this circumstance, this situation in my life going to play out? I mean, that's, that's just so everyday life, I think. Uh, for you and I as, as humans, right? We deal with anxiety constantly, it seems. I mean, it's, it's just a real, again, everyday battle for us. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I think it's one that we want to grow in, right? Would you agree with, that, with me about that? Like, I, I don't want to be plagued and paralyzed by just constant anxiety in my life. Right? Like I would love to grow in maturity as a Christ follower to the point where I'm, like, I'm trusting him in deeper ways and, and I'm bringing these things to him and, and I'm seeing his power at work in my life. Now, the, the crazy circumstances of life, the difficulties, all that, that's always going to be there right? until Christ returns. But I would love, love, love to grow. I would love to. Now, truthfully, the reason I, I, I posted these verses in the first place is because uh, just last week, Angie and I were able to enjoy uh, a time away with a bunch of other pastors and wives uh, at a retreat, and it was just, it was so relaxing and, and so great to just catch up and to be ministered to and, you know, all of those things. And, you know, we, we get home and, you know, I immediately follow that off, uh, follow that up with, uh, it was about four or five straight uh, sleepless, anxious, can't turn my brain off nights. Here we kind of feel like, or I felt like, you know, wow, it's kind of like, it kind of undoes, you know, the time away a little bit. And I think you've probably experienced that type of thing before. And maybe for you, it's not a sleepless night thing, but maybe it's just anxious toil throughout your day, or, you know, it plays itself out in all kinds of different ways. And again, I would love personally, speaking for myself, uh, to learn some things here from God's word, to be encouraged here today, to grow. And so we're going to look at these, but I want to jump into some prayer first and just uh, invite the Lord into this. So why don't you join me as we do that? Lord, uh, we know that as, as your creation, Lord, you value us uh, so much. Uh, Lord, you love us incredibly. The gospel tells us so. 
Uh, Lord, and at the same time, we know that we are so weak. We are so, so frail, Lord. And we, um, we struggle with anxiety. We, we get our eyes off of you. We get our eyes onto the circumstances. We, we try to fix problems on our own. We, we have sin that entangles us and, you know, hearts that get hardened. And, you know, pretty soon we can be so stressed out and so anxious about so many different things when the clear command from Scripture is do not be anxious about anything. And Lord, we just confess even now that these verses seem like um, such a tall task for us. Lord, and they are. They hold us to this perfect standard, Lord, that we know that we can't possibly achieve. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves before you, before our great God, before our Savior, Jesus Christ, and ask for your grace today. We ask for your mercy. We ask, Lord, that in power you would pour out your spirit and, and overcome our fears and our worries. Lord, teach us uh, to trust in you uh, more deeply, God, I pray. Uh, Lord, we are needy. We really are. And so, God, this is how we bring ourselves before you. This is how you, you ask us to bring ourselves before you. And so we do that here, and uh, we look to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we uh, get into this here today, I, I want to make, a, I think, a really important distinction here for the sake of clarity. Right? The, uh, the anxiety that, that we're going to be addressing today and that we're you know, talking about through, uh, through these verses is what we can call, I think, common anxiety, all right? common or, or general anxiety, uh, which is best described as, as that worry and the stress and the, the fear, that internal dread that sometimes wells up inside you uh, that comes from a lack of heart-level trust in God. As as Christ followers, already kind of addressed this already, but as Christ followers, we're commanded to trust him, aren't we? Right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Right? So, what, so we see the command there. We see it in multiple places. Luke chapter 12 and in Matthew's gospel as well. We see this all over the place. And so when we don't do that, when we fail to trust the Lord, we inevitably become anxious, right? As, as, as life overwhelms us and, and in those moments, that, that anxiety, that, that common anxiety that we're referring to here today can, can rightly, can, can biblically be labeled as sinful. Okay, it's sin. Now, the distinction I want to make here, though, is that right next to this common, general, you know, sinful anxiety is the mental illness form of anxiety. Okay, so I, I want to draw a line between uh, these two things here. There are many people who struggle with anxiety, but, but their anxiety is, is connected to some acute form of, of mental illness. Okay, it might be something like, like depression, or, 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 or bipolar, or you know, schizophrenia, or there are those who suffer from, uh, from panic attacks, and you know, a, a multitude of different phobias are out there, and, and various disorders like post-traumatic stress disorder and obsessive-compulsive disorder, just to name a few. Okay, often in these cases, the 
anxiety that a person suffers with can rightly be labeled a, a chemical imbalance uh, in the brain. Right? It's, it's a legitimate medical illness uh, of which the, the roots are, are often and, and largely just unknown. Like we, we don't know why this person is, is, is depressed. Right? They, they can't draw it to anything. It's just, it's something happening uh, in the brain. I mean, in the, in the field of, uh, of mental illness, even the, the greatest experts, I mean, let's be honest, they're just, they're just learning. They're just barely scratching the surface, I think, on what this is really all about. Right? These are very, very complex matters. Now, I, I say all of this because we as the church and as, as Christians, we have to be really careful with all of this. Does that make sense? We, we have to be careful to, to not automatically or, or, or carelessly or, or coldly condemn every single form of, of anxiety as sinful. You see how we have to be careful with, with that? And truthfully, the, the church at large, the church as a whole, hasn't always been real great at this. Hey, we've spoken kind of harshly and, and, and not with a, or without a, a lack or with a lack of understanding. And listen, I would say this, including myself. Okay. Uh, just uh, last April, actually, I, uh, I preached a sermon. It was the first message of our uh, Mark series. And in that, just a really brief uh, moment in that, I talked about uh, the anxiety that we're going to be talking about here today, the common sinful anxiety. And I, I said, there's no room for that in, in the lives of, of believers. And uh, after, um, after the service, I got an email from, from a woman in our church uh, who just uh, kind of gave me her thoughts on all of that. And honestly, it was like, it's so well done. The email was so gracious and so kind. And, and she was able to express that, listen, I, I've, I've battled mental illness uh, for years and years. And here's some of my story. And she's like, I, I knew exactly what you were trying to say. And what you said actually wasn't even, even wrong. It just maybe wasn't, you know, a full enough picture all of, of all of this. And she was able to communicate that, like, you know, had I heard what you'd said, you know, 10 or 15 years ago or whatever it was, she's like, I probably would have been kind of hurt by that. I kind of crushed by it. And so we were able to have a really great conversation, I believe, a little bit later that week. And I was able to, you know, apologize for that, and I totally understood where she was coming from, and I think I could have, in 30 seconds probably, uh, brought some better clarity uh, to all of that. So, so listen, please allow me now to, to publicly apologize uh, to any of you uh, who I might have hurt or, or confused or, or just pushed away uh, due to my kind of carelessness and my, my ignorance about about these things in this area. And on top of that, if you are one who, who struggles with uh, mental illness of, of some kind, uh, first of all, know that there is hope for you through Jesus Christ. Right? He, man, he loves you so much. Right? He cares for you intensely. Right? He, he cares about the spiritual, he cares about the physical, he cares about the mental as well, right? And he, he transforms, he, he makes new. I mean, this woman that reached out to me, I mean, she is a picture of how the Lord has, has transformed and changed her. Lots of, of hard days, lots of difficult days, but she was able to communicate to me, the Lord has sanctified her and has grown her and has helped her in so many ways through this thing. And that same hope, 
is available to you. Second of all, if you struggle with mental illness, know that we as a church love you. Hey, you're not, you're not some second-class citizen here because of your illness. Hey, you're valuable to us. You're valuable to the community that the Lord is building here uh, at our church. And as, as much as the waters of, of mental illness are you know, are uncharted and they're deep and they're, they're dark and they're choppy at times, you know, and we're trying to, you know, just figure out how to understand it, let alone how to give good, good counsel and good wisdom and direct you and encourage you and, uh, and all of those things. Okay, know that, know that we want to learn, right? We, we want to grow in this. I, I, I certainly want to. I'm speaking for myself and I trust also that I'm speaking for the rest of us uh, gathered here. Thirdly, if... You're suffering from some form of mental illness alone and silently. I would just encourage you and urge you to reach out to somebody today. Hey, talk to somebody, if it's myself or one of our staff, if it's your small group leader, someone in your small group, if you're not involved yet in these things in our church, if it's you know, the person you came with today or, or anybody, a friend, a family member, there, there's helplines available, please reach out. I encourage you uh, to do that. Don't suffer in silence and and alone. And then lastly, and this is really to all of us here and, and hopefully kind of sums up everything that I've just been talking about here and, you know, ties it all together. This is really uh, your pastor's concern. This is pastoral concern uh, to all of us as we just think through these things and try and wrap our minds around it and try to be, you know, biblical and understand the realities of all of this. My concern really is that uh, you and I, we would avoid uh, two uh, potential pitfalls here. Okay, the first pitfall is that all anxiety is mental illness. Can we be careful about that? I think it's fair to say that as a society and as people, as individuals, we're pendulum swingers, right? We go from one extreme to the other. And while I believe there are so many you know, good things happening these days with just raising awareness of, of mental health issues, you know, the Bell Let's Talk just happened. You know, there's these helplines. People are talking about the stigma is, is ending, right? That, that they're you know, way different than us and need to be ostracized, people that have these struggles. I, I, I believe all of that is good. I believe also as, as a society, we're, we're, we're swinging. We gotta be really careful that we don't swing to just over-labeling everything. Does that make sense? Do you hear me on this? I'm not trying to be cold here. I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh or mean or anything. But I think sometimes we find comfort in, in a label and, and, and people throw out labels and, and give out medication like candy for every single thing. And listen, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm not anti-medication for a Christian. I think at times this, is, this can be very, very helpful in bringing some, some stability as they also engage in the Lord and growing in all of these things. But we live in a world where, you know, there are new labels for things coming up all the time. And we throw medication so, you know, willy-nilly at things. I, just, I want us to be careful that not every single form of anxiety that you have may be rightly labeled as a mental illness. You know, let's be careful of that. That's one pitfall. Okay, the second pitfall is just the opposite side of things. And it's that all anxiety is sin. Yeah, I've kind of referred to that, but you know, some of us, and I'm a little bit wired this way myself, you know, I can be very hard on myself. 
you know, and I see my weaknesses and I see my failures and I kind of take the, the spiritual whip out and I start to, you know, flog myself about my sin and I'm, you know, ripping on myself about my flesh. And I'm so broken. I'm so needy. And, and so much of that is so true. But so many times I, I, I see maybe some, some forms of anxiety. I'm not considering some other factors. And I think as we all assess ourselves, we need to consider that there are other things that affect, you know, our mental health and, and where we're at. And it's not necessarily sin. A couple of examples I'll give us. How about spiritual warfare? Honestly, I think that's part of it for me. And I would just ask that you would pray for me and pray for my family. I believe that's a reason that I'm awake in the middle of the night. If I told you some of the things that I was stressing about and waking up and feeling dread in my heart about, you'd be like, man, that's not a, that big of a deal at all. And it's true, it's not. And so I believe the enemy likes to get in and likes to disrupt and likes to mess with things. So I think spiritual warfare and, you know, the devil just fights dirty, right? And he wants to get in there and he wants to mess with us. He hates us. That's one piece. How about things like sleep and diet and exercise? You have a lack of, of good night's sleep because you're staying up too late and you got screens in front of your face and you've got all of this until the very moment that you, you finally conk out. That's gonna, that affects you. That affects your state of mind. Diet, no one likes to talk about it unless they've like, they're engaged in a diet and then it's from their high horse looking down on people, right? But we don't want to talk about it. I'm going to eat whatever garbage I want and we don't want to, you know, think about the fact that this engineered food that we're putting in our system may have an effect on how we're functioning. Diet's a big one. How about exercise? Yeah, that's too convicting. Okay, exercise is a piece. How about this one, sex life? Right, you gotta think about this. How's your sex life? Is it, you know, as a married couple, is it non-existent? You know, for you, as, as, as it becomes sinful? If you're single, where are you at with all of that? You give yourself to, into sin in those areas. Don't be surprised that your mental clarity and your heart, it's, it's not gonna be in the right spot. Does that make sense? Likewise, if we're withholding from our husband or withholding from our wife in this area, it can affect our anxiety. What about our social media habits? I don't really understand all of this, but I know there's been probably two occasions in my life in the last six months where I was just, you know, scrolling through some kind of social media and all of a sudden I just started feeling like anxious about stuff. And I was like, what's going on here? And I was like, I'm putting that down and walking away. And like, I, I, I took some time away from it. I just took a break. Like this constant processing of information. We're scrolling fast. In fact, like it's, there's an effect there that I think over the years, we're gonna, we're gonna hear more about that. How about just family life? Where are you at with your family life? Or work stress? How about the weather? We're currently in the middle of February, which is the worst month of the year. Like I hate Canada right now. Don't you feel that way? I just, I cannot wait for spring. If I wake up and see like it's minus 20, but feels like minus 37, like I'm going to just throw my phone, <laughs> right? That has an effect on us. Maybe it's just season of life for you. You're caring for aging parents or you're a student and you're dealing with these high demands of exams and 
Maybe it's your depth of community engagement and you're more of an introverted person and so you're withdrawn from people and so you start to kind of spiral in that. Listen, these are all kinds of different ways that, that the, the things that can affect our, our state of mind and our anxious, anxiety and our anxious thoughts and our, you know, all of it. And so what I'm saying here is that with these two pitfalls, let's, just, let's be really careful. Let's be prayerful, right? Let's ask the Lord for discernment. Where am I really at with this Lord? Let's, let's think carefully about these things. Let's maybe do some research. Let's, let's talk to somebody, have meaningful conversations. Let's, let's work to honor and glorify the Lord in all of this. Now, with all of that said, you guys ready to get into God's word now? I think that, I know this is a little bit different setup here, a lot of setup before we get into this, but I think it's, it's necessary to address all of that and have at least some kind of simple categories for these things, but... But here we go, Philippians uh, chapter four. Um, and then here's the first thing in your notes. In Christ, I will battle through my anxious thoughts. Remember, we're focusing on that, that common or general sinful anxiety that's, that's a reality for every single person in this room to some degree. How are we gonna do that? Well, first thing, by facing my lack of trust in God as I engage in deeper prayer and gratitude. Okay, now just take a look at that verse here, verse six. It says this, do not be anxious, right? There's the word, do not be anxious. It means, it means worry. It means to be you know, encumbered by many cares, right? That's literally what the word is saying. It's saying, do not be anxious about anything. That's quite the standard. Really? Anything? Like I, I'm pretty sure I can be stressed about where my marriage is going. I'm pretty sure I can be stressed about my finances, about that bad call I got from the doctor. I'm pretty sure there's, there's some room in there, isn't there, Lord? According to this, do not be anxious about anything. Well, how dare the author of this write this? This doesn't seem realistic. Well, listen, Paul is the author of this and some of the context here is that he's writing it from prison. Or prison. Like, he, like he's sitting in a cell while he, while he writes this. He's under watch. He's under guard. He's, he's writing to the Philippian church and, and he's telling them not to be anxious. Don't, I, I know you guys are concerned for me, but don't worry. I, I, I trust the Lord, not because I'm some kind of superhuman, but because the Lord has done a bunch of work in my life to bring me to that place where I am content. He talks about that a little bit later uh, in the chapter. He is content. I, 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 have, I have learned. I, I know how to be brought low, he says. I know how to, how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's one of the biggest butcher jobs we do on that verse ever as the church. I can do all things. Therefore, whatever lame plan I have, I'm going to go do it through Jesus. Right? That's not what, don't violate the context here. He's saying that I, I've lived in plenty. I've had, you know, I've been blessed by Lydia of, of, of Thyatira in, in, in Philippi, a very wealthy woman has, has blessed me. I've lived with, with plenty. I've also lived in need and I have learned the secret of, of facing these things. I've learned the secret of contentment. It's such a huge part of it. This is the context in which he writes. 
And you, say, and you see here, obviously, in verse 6, that this is in the imperative, right? It's, it's a direct command, right? So if you and I, if we experience the, you know, the, the presence of that, of that common anxiety, and again, we all do, then it reveals that, that somewhere inside of us, we violated a, a direct command, right? Oswald Chambers called that anxiety, I love this, unconscious blasphemy, unconscious blasphemy. It's where we're not even like totally aware of, of what we're doing and that we're doing it. But somewhere in our hearts, we, we just don't trust the Lord on, on a deep enough level. That, that thing that God has told you to, to not be anxious about, right? We, we've, we've essentially said in that moment, Lord, thanks for the tip. Appreciate the, the good advice. Okay, but but I, I'm going to reject that. I'm going to choose to, to kind of manage that circumstance, that situation, that issue, you know, on my own. And, and, and we disobey God because we don't believe that what he has said and his command is actually what's best for us. We don't trust that he is able to manage it, manage it for us. And so in those moments, what we're doing on a heart level is, is functionally, practically, our hearts are transferring our trust from him where it belongs. Lord, I trust you to do this. We're transferring it back onto ourselves and our ability to fix and manage the circumstance. Do you see how in your anxious moments you do this in your heart? Listen, we gotta face that. We've gotta look that square in the eye, right? Because that's a problem for us. No more ignoring this. Okay, your, your heart is, is broken and it's not functioning properly and you can't, no more just throwing a blanket over that, pretending it's not there, sweeping it under the rug. That's not what we're doing. We're gonna look at this head on. No more resigning ourselves to this anxiety we're living with. It's, it's just normal. It's the furthest thing from normal. That's not how God created us. Now, we live in a broken and sinful world, and, and that's why we experience it. But stop treating it like it's your friend. It's not. Stop treating it like it's just part of the family, and I've got to just sort of accept it. No, you do not. That's, that's not what these verses suggest whatsoever. We've got to look at this. You might be thinking, well, how? Like, by, by what means? Seems a little easier said than done, Pastor. Well, I mean, the rest of the verse gets at it. Take a look. It says, it says, but in everything, so everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay, so all, all our cares, all of our worries, all of our, our, our concerns, all of it needs to be, you know, just, just take it all, all to the Lord. How? Well, it says there through prayer. This is where you and I, we're just, we're just dialoguing with him. We're having conversations about, you know, what's going on in our lives and, and bringing to him the, you know, the issues and the, and the challenges and the struggles and all of that, right? That's the prayer. And it says supplication. That's prayer as well. It's, this is where you're, you know, you're letting your requests be made known to God. That's what supplication is. It's asking him uh, for stuff, pleading with him. God, rush to my side, rush to my aid, be my, be my strength. Give me wisdom, O oh God. Provide me with counsel and, and, and the help that I'm craving in my time of need here. Listen, for, for Christ followers, prayer is, is the 
practical way, believers take the burden of our anxiety and the, the dread and, and the emotions of all of it and, and, and give it back to the Lord where it belongs. Yeah, I like this quote by J.A. Bengal. You can throw it up here. It says, anxiety and prayer are more opposed to each other than fire and water. So if your anxiety is like a flame and it's, it's, well, it's burning inside of you, you douse those flames by prayer. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying here. You, you want to step it up in the battle? You want, to, you want to grow? A number of us put our hands up when the question was asked earlier. Yeah, I want to grow in this. I want to do this. I want to get the upper hand on my anxiety. Then we need to pray. We need to be a prayerful people. I'm not talking about the token saying words prayer. I mean like deeper level, deeper engagement with these things. We got to pray. Another way that we do that, the verse says, is with thanksgiving. This is another arrow in your quiver. Hey, when you and I, when we lack gratitude, we're not very thankful anymore. It is, you know, we're autom- it's automatically replaced with Feelings of dissatisfaction, right? This is what happens in us. And that, those feelings of, of dissatisfaction are, are, it's just a breeding ground for anxiety. Have you seen that? It is. You know, about where my life's at or where it's not, you know, where, where it should be. And we start to compare ourselves to everybody else. And, you know, look at their perfect life on Instagram. And why isn't my life like that? And, you know, they've got so many good things going on in their life. And why is mine not there? And all of a sudden, you're feel, the anxiety is welling up in you about all of this. But it's amazing to see how engaging in prayerful, worshipful, Gratitude to the Lord for, for who he is, right? His, his character, his, his nature, things like his, his goodness and his, his love for us, the, the power that, that he has on display and, and for what he's done for us as well through Jesus Christ, right? That's the gospel. As we begin to, to express all of that to him, he begins to release the, the tension of our anxiety because our thinking and, and our focus and our affections, they're, all, they're coming off of our circumstances and off of the stress and, and back onto him where it belongs. It's consumed with the right things again. So listen, to, to battle through this anxiety, we gotta take courage here. We gotta face that lack of trust that exists somewhere in our hearts that you got swirling around in there in your mind. And in those moments where you sense anxiety, it's, it's really sees that as an opportunity. That's what it is. It's an opportunity that your anxiety has provided you with to, to engage in, in deeper prayer and deeper gratitude to the Lord. And this involves a couple of things, I think. I think one of it is you know, just to make it real clear, it's confessing the sin, right? Confessing the sin of anxiety. Don't glaze over it. Name it. Call it out. Be specific. Confess that sin of not trusting and obeying your incredible Savior. Lord, you are worthy of it. Forgive me for, for, not, for not doing that. Look at this as, a, as an opportunity, a chance for you to remind yourself of, of your amazing salvation. Lord, thank you for enduring the cross for me. 
Thank you for absorbing the wrath of God in my place. Thank you for being the propitiation for my sin. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for adopt, adopting me as, as your son now. Right? What an amazing opportunity to, to go to the gospel and to think over our salvation and express our appreciation for it. Right? That's where the gratitude starts to sink in. Engaging in deeper prayer and gratitude also involves, for you and I, really identifying those false saviors that we tend to run to. Right? We've all got them. What are your false saviors? When you notice that anxiety is starting to kick in in your life, what do you automatically want to go to? What do you run to? Whatever that is, that's your false savior. That's the thing that you think is going to fix you. That's the thing that you think is going to bring you peace and satisfaction and joy. Okay, for so many of us, it's, it's some form of comfort. Right? I, I, I run to comfort when I feel anxious. I don't run to prayer. I don't run to my Savior. In what, in what ways do you do this? In what ways do you try to escape your problems? For some of us, it's, again, to get real convicting here, it's through food. Right? I just want comfort food. Order, order a pizza or five. Sounds good this afternoon, doesn't it? Right, for me, one of the things, I've said this before, but one of the things that I've identified in my life is just binge-watching shows. Is it wrong to do that from time to time? No, I'm not calling that sin. I'm not calling pizza sin, thankfully. <laughs> I'm saying that when our hearts go to it because it's a functional false savior, then it's a problem. Then it's sin. And I, want to, I just want the feelings to go away. I want the dread to go away. I want the bad vibes to go away that I will numb my brain with hours of Amazon Prime. I will run to some kind of substance. I will engage in pornographic material because it makes me feel good on a certain level. Is this, is this what you do? What is it for you? For other people, it's retail therapy. Spending money that you don't have, having something new and get, having a new look, that just that makes me feel better for about 15 minutes. What are the ways that you try and engage in comfort and you try to escape? Those are false saviors. Another one, another false savior is just self-reliance. Well, I'm, I'm just gonna fix this myself. It's not that, I don't, I don't think we actually say that to the Lord. Lord, I don't need you, but I'm, I'm going to fix this myself. I, I don't think we, we actually do that. It's kind of an, like an unconscious thing. And, and I think this is such a guy problem too, right? Most of us, a lot of us, we're, we're like problem solvers. Our, our, our wife's come to us with, with, with a problem she's struggling with, and we've got like a 10-point plan for her life, right? And she's like, I don't care about your dumb plan. I just want you to know that, I just want to know that you love me and you care for me, right? You ever had those conversations? I don't hear enough yeses. I know you all have those conversations. Right? We, we try to problem solve sometimes. And that's, the, you know, again, it's not about me. We all have got our issues, but just to help you kind of understand when I'm up in the middle of the night, I'm, I'm problem solving constantly. And I'm awake thinking about, like, how are we going to, you know, how are we going to get more small groups going in our church? How are we going to care for these people who are new and get them into, into these other small groups? 
And I'm like, they're anxious about that. I'm trying to fix this instead of just bringing it to the Lord. I think I can do it. I can't. Self-reliance, problem solving. There's all kinds of false saviors out there. Identify, what are, what are yours? What are they? Well, I don't know. Figure it out. That, that takes some work. Yeah. Shouldn't the Lord do this for me? No. We have responsibility to identify these things. The Lord will help you through his Holy Spirit, absolutely. But don't be a lazy Christian. Think through these things. Let's figure some of this stuff out. I mean, these are all ways that we take the problem and the sin of our anxiety into our own hands and we just try to fix it on our own. Who the heck are we to think that we can do this? Who are we? We weren't strong enough. Instead, confess the lack of trust behind our false saviors that we run to. Bring it all to the Lord. See how, see how the plan's not that complicated. It's like, it's pray, right? Be thankful, pray. It's not complicated. It's just that we're not naturally good at doing this. That's where it gets hard. So we need to engage him in it. Final thing here. In Christ, I will battle through my anxious thoughts, believing that I will experience the profound protection of his peace. And I will. Verse seven, look what it says. It says, and the peace of God. Man, 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 don't, don't you just, I just want peace. Right, that's why we run to the false saviors. I did, those things will give me peace. I, the, the, the turmoil in my brain, the emotions, that, that hot, sickening feeling, that lump in my throat, I, that, that's what my anxiety feels like. I just want peace. Man, I want that. So weary from all of the, emotional draining that this turmoil brings. My nerves are fried. Well, it's in the peace of God, it says, which surpasses all understanding. I love that. Try and wrap your head around that, right? God's peace is so powerful. It's, it's so profound that actually it overcomes my, my anxious reality in a way that's like, it doesn't even really make sense from a human standpoint, right? It, it doesn't, it's not even fully comprehensible to me. How is it that he does this? I mean, but we, we hear it and we see it and we maybe experienced it before. How many times have you, you talk to somebody and they're, they're like in the middle of some awful trial or some like horrific tragedy and, and they're like, yeah, but man, like the peace of God is amazing here. And you can just see like there's sweet joy on their faces and, and it's real and they're not pretending that the problem's not there. It's just the Lord has drawn so close. Right? That's the peace that surpasses, it transcends all understanding. It's so profound, it's so acute that it actually overpowers the difficulty of my situation. From a human reality or standpoint, when you look at my situation, my circumstances, I should be miserable right now, but I'm not. It's because of God's peace. And this peace, it says, look what it says, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I, I love the promise of protection in that. Right? God loves to just like get in close with us when we need peace. Like wrap his arms around us, cozy up, snuggle in, however you want to look at that. And we're anxious. It's through him, it's, it's in him, it's, it's by him that, that we begin to get a leg up on our anxiety, on, on the whole battle that that is. 
experience this profound peace and protection. Now, I think it's just so important that we understand here what receiving God's protective peace looks like in our lives. Right? Like how, how does this play out kind of practically speaking here? Like how, how do we receive this, you know, in terms of the timing of all of it? Because I think most of us experience a certain amount of impatience with God about this. Have you noticed this? Right? I, I, I want him to come through uh, now, <laughs> right? God, give me peace right now. You know, I, I, I've asked you for it. What's with the delay? Right? Like, well, why? I, I, thought you, I thought you promised this. Why am I still kind of swirling and spiraling? And why is there still so much discomfort with all of this? I want peace immediately. I want it, I want it yesterday. I mean, at the very least, I want it the second I ask, right? That's, that's where we stand. But getting it immediately, of course, is not always our experience, is it? Right? God promises peace as we trust him, as we pray, as we express gratitude, as we've already looked at, but, but sometimes he delays the delivery of it. That's what he will do. Why? It's a great question. Have you asked that question? If you've got a heart beating in your chest, you have. <laughs> why? why, why, Lord, are you delaying on delivering this peace that I have asked for? Well, I think it's because he's, he's all-knowing, right? He's, he's omniscient is kind of the fancy theological word, but it means that he, he, he sees and he knows absolutely everything about us. He knows you far better than you know yourself. And therefore, he knows precisely, exactly what you and I need most in any given moment in life. Okay, put this, this quote up here. This is by John Piper. I love this. God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of like three of them. <laughs> That's so good. I, I mean, it speaks so, so perfectly to our desperation for peace now, Right? Because one of those 10,000 things that God might be doing in your life is developing perseverance in you. And that's just one more thing. It's a big thing. I mean, James 1, verses 3 and 4 says this. It says, for you know that the testing of your faith, you're probably being tested as you're not receiving the peace that you're praying for. That's a testing moment. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That's the, that's the perseverance. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking a bunch of stuff. Lacking nothing is what the verse says. Listen, we can be so desperate for peace to the point where we've got the blinders on about it. In our mind, that's, that's all we need. What, what more can I possibly need in this moment than the peace that I think I need? Right? And so we, we, don't, we don't think about the big picture. We don't, we don't realize that, that God might possibly be at work doing other things. But again, God knows what's best, right? He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's accomplishing a bunch of other things. And we're unaware of it in, that, in the heat of that anxiety. So listen again. Does the Lord promise that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Does he promise that? Yeah, that's what the verse says, right? I just read it. 
But understand that, it's just, again, it's just one part of God's sanctifying work in your life. There's a lot of other things going on. So listen, be patient. Be patient with him. Trust him. He's your loving father. He's not withholding good from you. He's just delaying the delivery of it. Okay, trust him. Trust his timing. Have you ever realized how parenting, when you, when you look at your, your little kids and as they grow up, you realize, oh man, that's just a picture of my relationship with God. Right, you think through your toddler, you've seen a toddler like throw a fit in a grocery store or something like that and screaming out, I need, I need food, mom. You know, and maybe this is you at home and they're tugging on you and they're, you know, they're starting to get hangry and they're getting themselves worked up. And you're like, kid, I'm making it. Like just be paid. That's us with the Lord, right? We're like yanking on, you know, God's clothing. <laughs> Give me. He's like, be patient, child. Remember, through your anxious moments, which you and I tend to have this hyper-acute awareness of in the heat of that battle, the Lord is building up your overall relationship with him. And listen, don't disdain that. Don't disdain that. We gotta be careful to not be so hyper-focused on our desire for immediate comfort and immediate peace now that we, that we disparage God's master plan to make us perfect and complete overall, lacking in nothing. And so the more spiritually mature that, that you and I become over, over time as God sanctifies his children, the more overall peace we're going to experience. Hey, final quote here, throw that up. This is Ralph Martin. He says, the peace of God follows directly from peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? That's good. And that's why we, we continually drive ourselves towards the gospel. The more you and I, the better, the deeper you and I comprehend the peace that exists between us and God now because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, the more our lives will be flooded with this overall general peace and joy in him where the trials and the difficulties and the, and the problems of life, they'll still be there, but they won't rattle our cages every two seconds. That's why the gospel is important. It reminds us that all the, all the worst stuff that was part of our life, meaning sin, meaning the separation that that sin caused between us and God, that has been taken care of. There is peace between us and God. Wrap your mind around that over the rest of your life. Your life will be filled with the peace that flows from all of that. Listen, I just want to go to prayer here. We're gonna cry out to the Lord. We're gonna ask him to continue to have mercy on us. We're gonna ask him to meet us in our anxious moments. I'm gonna pray for those of us who are kind of really dealing with that common anxiety right now and trying to figure out how to engage the Lord more deeply in this. And I'm also gonna pray for those of us who suffer with Mental illness, that's a dark road. It's very hard. But the Lord is greater. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing an old hymn that really expresses how we bring our anxieties and, and our burdens to the Lord. And so 
we're going to respond uh, by singing that. May all of that be your prayer to the Lord as you sing. And kind of on that note, I want to speak directly to anybody in this room who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I want to tell you straight up right now, I want to be as blunt, as, as clear, as direct, as bold as I possibly can be. Nothing in this world will bring you peace. Nothing. Oh yeah, but I see the videos on, on TV and I hear songs and I, you know, I'm trying to get, it's all a sham. It will leave you feeling empty. And I, and I know you, you, you're, there's somewhere in your heart, you're, someone here, is, you're swirling, you're looking for peace, you're looking for all of that. Jesus Christ wants to give you peace. He wants to bring you peace. But first of all, you have to understand that you've got to get right with him. The, 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 there's a bigger problem of your relationship being severed with God. And that is because of your pride. That is because of sin. And so you need to get that right with him. And I would urge you to do that now. And that comes down to just confessing your sinfulness, confessing your brokenness. Lord, that's all against you. Would you do that? Invite him to be your savior. It's, it, when you do that, you're trusting that, that when the Lord went to the cross 2,000 years ago, he suffered all of God's wrath. God punished Jesus instead of you. That was supposed to be you. He did it for you. And when you trust in him, he becomes your savior. You are forgiven. Your relationship with the God who created you is restored. And over the rest of your life, he will begin to transform you and begin to give you functional, practical peace.